0: We are creating a platform for those who are curious, one that tells the story from the artist's perspective, moments in time captured from the innovators who are reshaping dance, music, theater, and the visual arts. This is The Working
1: Artist Project. I feel successful because I've had so many great experiences. I've met so many people along the way. I can pay my rent individually. (laughs) And if it all got taken away tomorrow, I would say, man, that was fun. You know, I'm I am satisfied. Like I've had a great life, you know, and it's not going to go away. I'm going to keep pushing. I certainly am. Keep growing as for myself, but you know, until I'm playing trumpet in a rocket ship to the moon, I'm not going to stop.
0: <laughs> no regrets.
1: Recline yourself. Resign yourself.
0: Today on the Working Artist Project, I have the one and only bria skonberg bria is a trumpet player a singer a band leader a businesswoman and just an overall amazing human being she runs a camp called the new york hot jazz camp in new york which is a jazz camp for adults she also tours the world with her own band the bria skonberg quintet bria has a long list of accolades she recently won a juno award which is the equivalent of a grammy award in canada So, yeah, I'm going to let Bria explain to you in her own words who she is and what she is all about. Enjoy. I want to welcome the one and only Bria Skonberg to the Working Artist Project.
1: One and only. Thank God
0: there's only one. (laughs) I couldn't handle another one. There might be two. You don't know. (laughs) Yeah, actually, these days. Yeah, man, I want to kind of start our conversation we just getting the story of Bria you know what I mean like for all the people who don't know you mm-hmm. and who want to get to know you just give us give us um, where you're from and-
1: sure yeah well I was uh, I was born in Chilliwack British Columbia which is about an hour and a half uh east of Vancouver, the Pacific Ocean, and I feel very lucky. I mean, you know, growing up in a middle-class family, both my uh, my parents were public school teachers, not music teachers, but they loved music, and uh, I have an older brother, older sister, and they just wanted to expose us to everything that we could try and keep our options open was always what they would say. So uh, my older brother played fiddle and saxophone, my sister played some flute, we both started on piano. Um, just had a great... Uh, Really, a wonderfully supportive childhood, both with music and sports, and a lot of different things. Growing up in the Fraser Valley, which has a lot of—I mean, quite honestly, I grew up in between. Uh, my neighbors had a cow farm, <laughs> and uh, and they even they lived, you know, half a mile away. So mm-hmm. I had a lot of space to kind of grow up, and make some noise, I guess.
0: Yeah, and everybody—maybe people don't know this—but you play trumpet. I
1: play trumpet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hit things. Yeah,
0: right. And so I, you know, it's not really normal for women to play trumpet for whatever reason i don't i don't know why why what do you think it's
1: so bizarre because as far as i know trumpet is played from the waist up right i'm just saying right. you know? right. <laughs> but uh i started playing trumpet because my my dad played back in high school mm-hmm. and when i got to grade seven actually at the end of grade six they had us uh try instruments and they slated me to play trombone so I, which would i guess even be less common um but my dad played and he said, you know, you want to play the melody. So I said, okay, because I was 11 and you do what your parents tell you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, right. play the trumpet. Okay. Right. And, uh, I, I loved it for a lot of reasons, but, um, honestly, too, like, there were two other girls in my starting band class. And that was just one of two classes. And there were other girls in the other class playing trumpet. Right. So it was just, it was never really that unique Yeah, <laughs> and they were good.
0: Okay, <laughs> you know? Maybe it's just something where people don't continue it. You know, you started in middle school or something and then you're just like, eh, yeah,
1: yeah, it's true. I'm not sure. Um, you know, the reasons for that, if it's as a go- as we get older, or, I don't know, self-conscious or just the environment that, uh, that students are in. I mean, I definitely get to spend a lot of time in middle schools and high schools. Um, And there are great girl players, but why they're not as encouraged to kind of go on into post-secondary is a bit of a mystery. Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So I don't know. It's it's kind of it's like one of those things that you know. It's I guess drums is is kind of the same way. There aren't that many female drummers for whatever reason, and it's like,
1: yeah, yeah. maybe there's an air of masculinity about it because it's like ah, be strong, bam, bam, hits drums. (laughs) But uh, I, I happen to know quite a. A lot of female drummers that are that are really great. Oh, um, for sure. I mean, like anything, you just it, I think having the opportunity to play with people that are better than you or that are in you know in the scene is what makes you a better player. And so, if maybe females don't feel as welcome,
0: right? I'm not sure, but I lucked out. So, growing up in Chilliwack, you're playing trumpet, and somehow you got into jazz, <laughs> yeah. but not you got into traditional jazz. Mm-hmm. Is, did that happen first, or what?
1: Well, my first experience with jazz was. Um, uh, big band in uh-huh. high school, like the grade eight jazz band. Um, I started playing from grade seven, grade eight. I got into the jazz band and we played, uh, I don't know, everything from like the Hay song and, and to, uh, on Broadway or if I can remember, you know, and big band hits right. and stuff like that. <laughs> that right. Um, so I loved big band music. Um, In my hometown, they had a jazz festival, which did a great job of incorporating the local youth. There was always one big youth stage where every band in the district that wanted to participate could have a half an hour set. So you'd go there and it was always like, you know, you could check out the other... Students and see what they were doing, and at the same time you had a free pass to the festival where you could go and see live bands playing music. Now, for anybody outside of New York City or major hubs, that was a really really cool event. Yeah, and it was fun because the music um, focused on traditional jazz, like Jelly Roll Morton, Louis Armstrong, um, early stuff, which uh, <laughs> we can talk about how that got up to British Columbia. Um, but I but yeah, basically just being around that music and seeing it live had a huge impression on me um, And all that happened at the same time when I was like 14 15 years old You know, it's a great time to be impressionable right. and especially when you're like hanging out with people you fall in love for the <laughs> okay. first second third time right, right. You know, it's it's a party and it's a great atmosphere. So yeah. I just always associated jazz with a coming-together culture
0: Yeah, I don't know. It was it was more difficult for me to get into that period of jazz, you know what I mean? Because it's just the recordings are a little are, aren't as high fi for whatever. So like when you're right. 15, you're just kind of like, Ugh.
1: I guess that's because I didn't. I heard it live before I heard the recordings of it. Okay.
0: That makes sense. You know, and yeah. it was just fun <laughs> and yeah,
1: right, right. approachable. And quite honestly, like in retrospect, seeing how it's the the building blocks for improvisation. You know, I can't believe how many kids come up that got tears in their eyes because they don't know how to play scales over a jazz tune, and I'm like, play the melody, right? Right. <laughs> you know, let's get some blues. Like, doesn't you know? Don't play too much. Just mean what you play, right? And um, you know, fast forward a couple of years when I got into high school, uh, they had st- started a combo for the youth to put into the jazz festival specifically for playing combo style music. So. Oh. Grade eleven, my teacher was putting transcriptions of Potato Head Blues, West End Blues, Cornet mm-hmm. Chapsui in front of me, and I liked it because it was challenging. Right. You know, it, it's still challenging. I still yeah. <laughs> can't play it. Still try to play it. Yeah, dude. Um, but it, it was amazing, and it was definitely um specific to our town because we'd go to the regional jazz festivals, and and then of course we were like kids. We had to wear suspenders and that kind right, of thing because right, right, right. you play Dixieland. Right. Um. And the adjudicators were always like, "Wow, you guys are really, really great. We don't know what to <laughs> tell what you, to <laughs> <laughs> you know. We don't, but, but man, that was that was really great. Right. <laughs> fun because they don't. I don't know. post yeah, secondary
0: culture doesn't even know what to. No, the music. Well, most kids started like Sad and doll. They started Duke Ellington, yeah. right? They don't. You don't go that far back. I, I think it's great. Yeah, that, that happens because you get a complete picture of, of the music.
1: For sure. I mean, the farther I go back, uh, you know. There's just so much more to kind of learn about it and to get the whole story of jazz. Mm-hmm. You know, I, the more that I learn about the music and go back and you learn about how the people came together, like in the South of the United States by choice or by force. Right. You know, you learn the story and what those rhythms meant and how those came, uh, you know, the melting pot, as we call it. That's what I like now. I When I hear music, especially jazz music, I hear those influences of a lot of different people coming together.
0: Okay, so so you started playing trad jazz in, mm-hmm. in grade school. You come up through college, you're doing that, and then at some point, you're going to be a professional musician. Yeah. So you decide to come to New York City right away, or what was the, what was it? No,
1: I'm older than I look. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, Well, first I played trad, and then when I got to college, I stuck out like a sore thumb because I was playing quarter notes like Louis Armstrong, and everybody else was. I don't know Lee Morgan or later. (laughs) So I, but I, so I caught up to speed, you know, Mm -hmm. and I worked and I love all all the eras of jazz. Um, I graduated in two thousand six from capilano university with a degree in jazz trumpet performance where i also took some (laughs) vocal lessons would you like to see my degree (laughs) degree. no but it was great i mean i a lot of people if they keep up trumpet as a hobby i have total respect for them or if they have the discipline to do it on their own but i did not i had never had a private teacher until i got to college and i'm lucky they let me in and so i just got the tools you know Mm -hmm. that that i need to figure out how to make music and write music and such and meet a network of people that i still play with to this day Mm -hmm. um But after graduation, by that time, I was already leading and managing two bands. Um, basically this, the band that was together in 12th grade high school kept, most of us went into music schools, different ones, but I kept them together. And that's when I started to get on the phone and tell people we needed money for gigs. (laughs) (laughs) And they laughed at me because I was 17, you know, but, uh, I was fortunate to like get that real world work happening before i graduated so right out as soon as i i was already playing a bunch of different festivals there was a whole culture of traditional jazz festivals up and down the west coast i mean every other weekend at least uh we were traveling um my two bands they were called well one's called the big bang jazz band we're actually having a 20th year reunion since that band started in may i know i have to whisper that and then the other one was an all female band called the mighty aphrodite jazz band and uh so with those two bands, I worked a lot also, you know, tailoring for gigs, doing um uh, small band swing dances or private parties, you know, just putting groups together for whatever people wanted. And at that same time, I, uh, in 2006, I met uh, this guy named Dal Richards, who's about, he was in his late 80s at that time. And he was well regarded as Canada's King of Swing. And he had a working big band that had been around for many, many, many decades. Um and that was where I really started to kind of get my show chops together. Okay. He had a, a run every year at the end of the summer, 17 days straight, playing at a big uh, fair, exhibition. Oh. And our sets were like, you know, everything from in the mood to sway to different right. things. And we were sparkly dresses and came up front. I played in the trumpet section, which was rad because, you know, nothing like an old surly trumpet section right. to hang out with. And then jump up front with the other singers and do some stuff and it was just a fantastic experience especially because you know you don't get to play or sing with big bands out of college right, <laughs> very much yeah. so i was very very lucky lots of cool you know we played the opening of the the paralympic games like the olympics when we were in uh oh. in 2010 in vancouver oh dope yeah it was it was a you know it was a fantastic time and mentorship on a, in a big level yeah uh and i needed that time to kind of develop in a lot of ways i recorded a cd um with a mentor, uh, my first one of just kind of putting out a couple of original songs, but that featured me as opposed to featuring my bands. And that was a whole, it's just a, a, an evolution, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I also got to travel a lot to Europe. Um, I was chasing music. I was chasing love. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, most most, most stories of- in my life kind of were like, I'll, you know, I, I can follow back and be like, what was I doing in 2006? Who was I dating in
0: 2006? Right, right, like, yeah, right. Yeah, right. yeah, I was probably going this way. That way. <laughs> That's the human story. Yeah, though, you
1: know? I have no, yeah, I have no problem with that. Yeah. And it all, it all bubbled into the music. So I spent a lot of time in, um, from 2006, 7, eight, nine, I spent a lot of time in France, mm-hmm. uh, Germany, Switzerland as well. Um, going out as a soloist, which was super cool. Um, meaning that I would uh, be in all-star settings. I, would show up on a bandstand. Maybe you all didn't, even speak the same language and you're about to perform in front of people for the first time and you, you find a common language and you count in the song and you go and it's really beautiful. Mm -hmm. Like it's fascinating and cool and all the way to Japan and China and just all these incredible adventures. But I was making a lot of, you know, it's kind of just throwing a lot of spaghetti against the wall. You could say like seeing what would stick, but I eventually wanted to make a move, uh, I wanted to move to Los Angeles. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> because
0: why not? You know, palm
1: trees, yeah. California dreaming. You know, you have to understand when you grow up in like Vancouver and it's rainy all the time. Uh, you want to go to California, <laughs> but I just had us uh, more friends thanks to the festival scene over in New York City that got me over that way, and I'm I'm so glad. I I think I would have been, uh, you know chasing the wrong things for the wrong reasons trying to be a jazz pop star instead of going to New York and actually cutting through my
0: bullshit right right (laughs) you know yeah yeah, it's just different energy yeah in, in LA
1: like a flower bending in the breeze bending Answers may be on the floor, dear my eyes, they see
0: only you, only you. So you mentioned something earlier that I want to kind of get into, which was band leading. Yeah. I kind of want to talk more about being a leader, because I think that you are more than just a band leader. You are just it sounds like you're a natural born leader. So at 17, you were like, "All right, I got to get these gigs. I got to do this. Like you kind of have a direction for yourself. And just for my young listeners, yeah. and for my old listeners, mm-hmm. like how do you focus that energy into action?
1: So a few things were happening as I was coming through middle school and high school that I think bubbled into my entrepreneurial skill set. Um, you know, I played a lot of sports. Mm-hmm. I was the captain of my soccer team, the volleyball team, um, and I was also involved in school organizations. I was the student council president in grade twelve, okay. putting on <laughs> putting on <laughs> events and stuff. So, but with the uh, so i've I've had a natural like um I'm drawn to that, you know, I like making things happen if I say you know yeah. call myself an instigator, maybe right. it's I'm the third kid, <laughs> you know, and I just want to kind of rustle the nest a little bit and be like I ah, you know, <laughs> should disturb her, but um the yeah those those qualities it was in me, and I think my parents actually kind of you know really uh um supported pushing us in that direction like you know they're kind of like the do the right thing people you know you got to get in there you got to get involved you got to have a voice i remember one time there was like a a nuclear power plant that they wanted to put up on the other side of the border we live really close to the usa and we go to these rallies and (laughs) they're like bring the kids out and say no this is my air right right, right. so they get involved people so i did um and that being said i i do remember being feeling really shy at the time so like it took me a while to kind of become more comfortable with that spotlight, but I, it was in me that I knew I wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, the leadership classes that I took at school were extremely helpful. There's a cu- couple of books. At that time, it was The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Of course, yeah. Seven Habits of Highly Effective Teens. Uh, those are incredibly co- great. Stephen Covey, I believe it is? Yeah. Um, and actually, his the third installment, uh, which is called The Eighth Habit, came out not long ago. That's That's a brilliant book. It's about empowering other people through your own leadership okay. you know it's more kind of relevant to, to today because people want to feel more emotionally invested and in, I believe in what they do right, um, right, right so I you know I've definitely studied it and tried to learn from my own mistakes along the way um, you know and and that being said as Not everybody, you know, has to be a leader, but everybody should try it because it certainly makes you a more supportive person. At the same time, (laughs) I like to think I'm a good side person. (laughs) Right. Oh,
0: yeah, because you understand.
1: I'm like, uh, you need water? (laughs) Like, like, can I help? Well, and also, you know, as a trumpet, I'm set up, you know, I'm good good to go. But I just try to, you know, make it easy on that person having been through it a long time. Darian Douglas is an excellent side person and leader
0: i'm sure Uh, well yeah depends depends on the day yeah (laughs) (laughs) so you also have a camp yeah which is an adult music (laughs) camp
1: the new york hot jazz camp (laughs) www.nyhotjazzcamp.com yeah so tell
0: us about that like there it is go check it out
1: yeah (laughs) i'm just a leader and a promoter and uh (laughs) you learn (laughs) nobody's gonna do it for you um Okay. I'll rewind that about 20 years too. When I went to my first jazz camp as a youth, also, you know, the biggest parts that came together for me fall in love with jazz were the jazz festival in Chilliwack and attending a jazz camp close to Sacramento. Um, same sort of thing. I fell in love with the music. I fell in love with the boy, <laughs> you know, okay, and I just okay. kind of jumped in into this whole, um, you know, the feeling of it. So it was always on my, my, uh, always a dream to start a camp wherever I landed. Mm-hmm. Um, The, uh, the jazz camp, uh, I guess that officially came true when I started talking with Molly Ryan, who's a vocalist in New York City. She okay. grew up in Sacramento and actually went through the same camp, but we never attended at the same time. Okay. So we both, it just kind of came up in conversation, and then, you know, within five minutes, we're like, okay, we need to do this. Right. This needs to happen now because we want, you know, it's time. Mm-hmm. And so we, um, yeah, it's, we're in our third year. Uh, it's April 2nd to 8th, uh, 2018. Learning a lot as we go. Um, <laughs> we, we bring in a faculty of, uh, great music, um, we bring in a faculty of professionals in the city that teach, um, everything from, uh, coaching bands to a little private lesson time to on, uh, sectionals. And then we go out on the town and we, we try to, open doors to cool things that happen in the city in that style of music. Going to see Vince Janon, the Nighthawks, uh, the Louis Armstrong Band we will go to Jazz Lincoln Center and Louis Armstrong House, just stuff like that. Okay. So it's a, it's a fully interactive experience. I don't know if I was expecting that going in. I was like, oh, it's gonna all be about, you know, the instruction and the music. And it's like, no, it's, it's an ex- it's a full experience. You people come to New York City because they want to come to New York City, but they also it's also nice to have a little bit of like a a footing when you do that.
0: Right. Or a community. Like what's the one thing that you've learned from running that particular company?
1: Same with bands um you know who you work with is extremely important. Molly is awesome. The first camp we found out she was going to have a baby. <laughs> We'd started planning the camp, and then it turns out she was going to be about nine months pregnant when the camp- first camp happened. Wow. And she was doing stairs, and we we're all like, Molly, sit down. She is a worker. She's yeah. incredible. And we're both like, kind of quietly calm, you know, but still effective at the same time, <laughs> still intense. Right. So, so I, I mean, I give Molly total credit for, uh, you know, our, our, um, our strengths complement each other's. And we've managed to find a good team of volunteers and such. So I would just, you know, try to build the team of the, that you can, nice people, um, reasonable people, mm-hmm. people that are fair. Yeah. I try to be fair in all situations. Yeah. You know, sense.
0: yeah, yeah. I want to s- switch gears a little bit, but it, it kind of it, it, it's in the line of leadership. But since you are a leader in the community of in the music overall music community, um, and we have this new movement, the Me, Me Too movement yeah. happening, do you feel a need to? Be at the forefront of that or speak on that or how do you navigate this space
1: yeah it's really interesting even the um, the uh, you know topics of you know bringing attention to yourself being a female do you do it or do you not do it or why mm-hmm. you know that's been something I've kind of asked myself because I didn't have I was not you know I'm not a hashtag me too necessarily right. I've had some awkward experiences mm-hmm. but not nearly in the, the volume that other people have had um, and again I, my teachers never treated me differently because I was a girl. Right. So I, I, I feel those are probably a lot of the reasons why I can be confident and be right. a leader in the scene. Um, that being said, if you have attention, what's the point of getting attention if you don't? You know, you want to be able to use it towards good causes. So I'm still finding a voice mm-hmm. in that. I'll say that um, I'm still processing it. I do understand that g- little girls, big girls, everybody, you know, could use role models. It's becoming a bit more of a focal point of my sets to f- to talk about strong women, right, right, um, and yeah, and that's just a choice I'm starting to make. Maybe it's just again kind of getting a little bit older too, and and realizing that you need to step up and be a role model in a lot of ways. So, as far as the hashtag Me Too, I just I'm respectful of it. You know, those I haven't had the same experiences as, as others. I'm not trying to get an attention from it that I don't deserve. You know, right, right, no, for but. Sure. But it's an important time to talk about, and you want to be part of the conversation for right. sure. But right. I'm doing more at this point, I'm doing more listening than talking,
0: right? Well, that's important too, you know, <laughs> yeah, for more all important. of us, man. Damn, like, you know, I know for me, I'm sensitive to it. I have five sisters, you know, <laughs> and they personally never told me of anything. I'm, I mean, I don't know if anything's ever happened to them, like that. Hopefully, not, but if it has, it's like, wow, you know, like I can kind of empathize with that, sure, so and from I mean, my male you know heterosexual black man standpoint or sure anything,
1: but. hits closer to home and yeah you know if you're like especially if you didn't know right like, during this time you felt that really
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know so but i think you know open honest conversation is just our our best thing right now yeah. just the facts yeah you know yeah. i'm working starting to work more with this guitarist named lily mays who's awesome mm-hmm. and she's a definitely a leader in that scene right now because she wrote an article um um with f- five different experiences she's had in that vein, and calling out some people and the backlash that she's gotten from the community and such, and wow. it's it's interesting talking to her about it because she's not overly emotional about it. She's just very like, this is what happened, yeah. And I put it out there, you know. <laughs> I get truth. It's just <laughs> it's the truth, and and it's not just her truth, but you know, it's mm. this is how she knows it and felt it, and and I have to I just have respect for that, yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, you have to have a lot of strength to, to even say something.
1: Well, of course. No. She left the city because of it. Wow. You know, it took her. Wow. It's been over 10 years since the first one happened. and Wow. you know, there are just coming in. You know. Yeah. The, the timing is coming. And there have been, you know, countless others that have talked but never been listened to.
0: Yeah. For, for the young girls listening to this, I'm curious because I, I know as a woman and as like if you're like a pretty woman and you're trying to do certain things, you do. Like, for instance, if someone's writing about you, we had a conversation about this the other day, they start using like, oh, <laughs> they start, they, they ornament you versus yeah. just being like, this is Bria Scomberg, the trumpet player who does this, they're like, the beautiful, the, right. you know, or whatever. How do you, you know, how do you change people's perceptions when they're painting you in this, <laughs> in this crazy way?
1: I mean, you know, it's not like with the, that. I don't have my own vanity. I wear my makeup. I use my oh, hairspray. I, mean, yeah. I don't show <laughs> cleavage. I don't show my legs. I mm. don't take pictures lying on my back. Those are my rules.
0: Okay, <laughs> okay. Uh, that's don't. great. That's that's good to hear. Uh, People should hear that. Uh,
1: you, know? you know, those yeah. are my those are my rules. Photo shoots. I will not lie on my back. Yeah,
0: just just doesn't seem. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're not saying specific. it's a bad thing. It's just for you. Yeah, that's not your thing. Exactly. Right. I dig that.
1: So, um. You know, it's interesting. When I moved to New York, like I said, when I was in Vancouver, I was in the show band, and it was like basically wearing like figure skating dresses and lots of big hair and mm-hmm. stuff. And when I moved to New York, obviously that that would have been a little out of place. And I wanted to be taken seriously as a player, so it's interesting how my style changed quite a bit. You know, earth tones, kind of you know right, right. playing down those features in a big way, and that was a good experience. I think as I've become more confident with my place in the scene. I've been having more fun kind of getting decked out again because right. you want to feel sparkly at your own gigs and stuff but but yeah I, you know
0: but is it even fair that women have to think like like, okay I need to like not be as pretty so people can take me seriously like <laughs> right. to me that's kind of some bullshit but right. and it's kind of a narrative that I hear a lot from female guests I never hear a man say you know what man I didn't cut my hair today yeah. so like, <laughs>
1: they're not going to take me seriously yeah. if I you know in I'm, fact they'll probably regard me even better if I'm right. half shaved or whatever yeah I can't control what other people think mm-hmm. um I know what makes me feel confident and if what makes me feel confident in that moment is not wearing makeup then that's what I'll do you know I have a choice yeah um i yeah i think that's it's it's too bad but i'm i'm not gonna waste energy on what other people kind of decide based on what I look like yeah Okay. That's how I look. That's fair. That's how I look. Yeah. You know, it's like, I don't know. Yeah. I'm a white girl. Hi. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> this is like, this is me. I'm blonde. I have right. blue eyes. Right. It's yeah. just, you know, I, I can be, I can get, <laughs> I have to be careful. I can look a little like so all American sometimes if I wear like red or something. But mm. I don't know. I mean, I think that those things are, they're assets in a way if, if you can use them in the right way without, in a tasteful way. Right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. If I that's did. what gets you in the door, you know, um, or if you get the attention the first time, that's fine. But ultimately, keeping attention comes down to the quality of your work. Yeah. So that's the same with uh, – as far as being a female musician, you know, if, if people can – if it draws them in for whatever reason, these people <laughs> – that's that's on you. But having you come back again, third, fourth, six times to see my show.
0: It's going to be that, about the music. That'll be about the music. Yeah. I think that. So I'm going to switch gears one more time. I want to talk about success <laughs> because – like the last night we were playing, this, this lady came and she was like, How do you feel playing with a superstar? <laughs> <laughs> so, like what what is what is your formula for success?
1: What yeah. it, what was her formula for that question?
0: <laughs>
1: what constitutes success like that? Wow. Know, you
0: know, people, whatever. That's but amazing. Pe-
1: I mean it's just yeah. that you you know you you say your own you set your own bar for success. Right. You know, what is success? Jeez. I mean, do I feel that I am successful? I feel successful because I've had so many great experiences. I've met so many people along the way. I can pay mm. my rent individually, <laughs> and and if it all got taken away tomorrow, I would say, man, that was fun. Yeah, you know, I'm I am satisfied. Like I've yeah. had a great life, you know, yeah. and it's not going to go away. I'm going to keep pushing. I certainly am. Keep growing as for myself, um, but. You know, until I'm playing trumpet in a rocket ship to the moon, I'm not satisfied. I'm not. To, <laughs> I'm not. To, I'm not going to stop. Right. Yeah. Right. So, I th- I've been saying this in the last few days. You know, I have an addictive personality too. So it's like, I want to keep growing. I want to keep, um, you know, learning things. I, I think my my drive these days is about learning. You know, about growing as a human being, as a person, as a musician. If you make that the focus. Then you'll always have room to strive for. Mm-hmm. And yet, again, if it got taken away, I'd, I'd be content.
0: What's like one of the biggest challenges that you have faced and overcome in your life?
1: Shyness mm-hmm. was a lot of it. And finding confidence to perform. You know, a lot of the greatest moments of my life have been the most mortifying, <laughs> you know, <laughs> really. Right. Uh, and not enjoying them and almost like before gigs going, why the hell am I doing this? This is not fun. This does not feel good. You know, and there were times like, you know, there was definitely an era where I'd be like, maybe if I drink something, I'll feel better when I play or I'll like relax in a way. And I think I was, you know, part of me moving out to of Vancouver too, I think I was just like starting to hit my head on the ceiling, getting bored doing these things and I just needed to get to a place where I was challenged. Right. Just get, go going through the... Getting of experience, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Building building confidence, building confidence in playing, getting out of your own head with playing. That's I think that's a common mm-hmm. thing with musicians. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that's huge. <laughs> Even, yeah, I don't know. I'm a weird balance of this because I'm like embrace the uncomfortable because then you're learning. And then I'm like ah, I'm always uncomfortable. <laughs> you know, I'm never I'm never settled. Ah. Right. But that I don't know. There's something in this area that just keeps me accountable to keep pushing and keep making music. So, that's what I struggle with. Okay, is just man not getting not getting kind of nervous or in my own head about a lot of the music. You know, this week we're at a club, and we get to play every night, and I do feel very comfortable. Like I, you know, in these these situations now, I, I know that I've had enough experience in the situation to feel comfortable, and I'm going to have a great time. Right. Right. But I sign my <laughs> I keep signing myself up for things that are going to make me uncomfortable. So yeah. I learned. But then I feel nervous. I don't know. It's a it's a
0: cycle. I guess. Yeah, you up the ante every time. You're like, oh man, okay. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, and you get
1: psyched up, and you're like, oh god, I'm so glad I did that. Now right. I'm here. Okay, cool. And then you're like, what's right. happening next? You right. Know? I, mean, I guess I like it. It's like a roller coaster. Obviously, I like it on some level. You know. So, yeah. but I I guess I've learned that it's um, the way that I keep going in a really healthy way is to keep challenging myself. And the downside of that is. I'm always freaked out about everything. Yeah. <laughs>
0: hey, well.
1: <laughs> like the camps and, you know, and the oh, yeah. making big bands are like, you know, the opportunities, you know, you strive for these ones or to play with people that you really, really greatly admire. And and I want to do all those things. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, I, um, I was asked to sing the national anthem at Madison Square Garden. Right. <laughs> I didn't have to do it. <laughs> like, right, right. you know, somebody said after, why'd you do it? I was like, well, I don't know. Like I didn't have to. I didn't make any money, right? <laughs> you know, right. I got to watch a hockey game oh, for it was the fun. experience. It was for the experience, yeah. just like you know, take it off the list and say you can do it. But you know, you're you're just putting yourself out there. But I, you know, it was it was great. It was really fun, and I did that. And and now I know I could do it again. Right. Yeah. You know, I was petrified I was gonna forget the words, but I didn't. You and, did it. You I, killed it. So. <laughs> and, now and now I can do it again. Yeah. For money. Right. Right.
0: That's- <laughs> Got to get paid now, baby. Like, yeah. <laughs> That's great. I, I want to play this game. I play this, It's called the word game. And so this is the way it works. I say words. You say the first story that comes to your mind. Uh-oh. So are you ready? I'll
1: try. I'm pretty good at filtering. Don't filter. I know. Okay.
0: Courage. Was it a boss?
1: <laughs> was, it, <laughs> was it what? The lion. Oh, that my, courage. my God. That's the first thing that comes to mind. <laughs> that's the first thing that comes okay. to mind. All right, uh, love. But, uh, I mean my my husband. <laughs> that's that's my love. Um, uh, he's uh he's not a musician, as every musician goes. Oh, good, great. Right. <laughs> you know, he's not a musician, but he's uh, in the arts and in the business, which is extremely helpful. It's wonderful. He totally gets it. He's understanding. He's just a little bit crazy and, and we work together great. So that's that's love. Like that's really love. Yeah. New York. I just I think I visualize things a lot. You say New York and I just see like ooh lights da, da, okay. da, da, da. I that's still cool. see that, you know? Yeah. I see another side of New York too. Um but I can tell a story. So before I moved to New York, I'd been there several times, but the first day that I moved to New York City, I had taken a red eye flight from Seattle. And it was a different experience because I had my suitcases packed and I kissed my parents goodbye. Like, I'm not sure if I'm coming back this time. You know, it's very emotional. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So through the night, got in, took a cab, went to my buddy Emily's house and crashed on her couch for a couple hours. And she was like, hey, do you want to come bus with baby soda <laughs> in Washington Square Park? <laughs> and I was like, sure, which is just like going and jamming on the street. And so we did. And I was pretty short on sleep and I was a little bit, you know, out of it. And then, um... Couple songs into our second set when Marsalis walked by. <laughs> he just walked, he just walked by. And I was like, Am I just seeing this? It was like the great odds. Okay, there you go. There's right, a courage right, time right. A through line. um And he just stood and listened for a little minute, you know, give a nod and a thumbs up. I, you know, I kind of give him like a hey. Right, yeah, right, what's yeah. Well, like, yeah, to yeah be no, cool, like no big deal, no big deal. <laughs> playing Wine and Boy Blues by Jelly Roll. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and that was just like the craziest affirmation of like, okay you made the right move right we're not in chilliwack anymore yeah you know it was just yeah wacky so new york is just like uh you never know you never know what's gonna happen i love that about it
0: we're coming to an end and i like to finish every episode with this question and the question is what are you most the three things you're most thankful for
1: family mentors life you know, I'm not a specifically religious person, but what an awesome experience this is. Mm. You know, it's crazy just to be alive. Yeah. Yeah. It's totally beautiful. Yeah. Um, mentors, I've had a few. Um, my first one was Simon Stribling, this Australian. He had just like a spirit for trumpet and and life. I think that had a, a lot to do with it, too. And my family, uh, you know, wherever I am, I'm still feel really, really close to them. I'm very, very lucky in all those departments.
0: Okay. Before we go though, I do want to give you a chance to like plug any projects, CDs, or anything that you got coming up. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) If you Google Bria Trumpet, you'll find me.
1: (laughs) Um, Yes, a bunch of things. This this uh, spring, I have a monthly gig at Joe's Pub in New York City, which I'm probably most excited for because I'm working on some new music. That is hopefully an an evolution of a lot of the stuff that I've been working on for a long time and then taking it to a different level um, with a great band, Darian Douglas on drums. Um, (laughs) You know, and uh, that's big. The jazz camp in April is great. We alluded to uh, a performance at Jazz and Lincoln Center Midsummer's Night Swing, which is happening June 26th. Keep tabs for more information on that. It's going to be something very, very special. Um, Yeah, then just... Uh, those are those are the main things. BryceGomberg.com, okay. Or Facebook, You, you want to give
0: the the website for the camp one more time?
1: Yeah, nyhotjazzcamp.com. There
0: it is. Thanks for coming on the Working Artists Project.
1: Thank you for asking me, man. He's doing great work.
0: If you like what you just heard, you know what to do. Hit that subscribe button. This is the Working Artists Project. I'm Darian Douglas, and this show is brought to you by Second Line Arts Collective. Find out more at secondlinearts.org.